pray this finds you having a great day. Looking forward to jumping into the next uh, aspect of uh, our time in this podcast concerning prayer and faith. Um, this one is going to be looking at a couple of questions that uh, E.M. Bounds is going to pose that I think is uh, very significant of where we're at in our church culture today. And uh, it's not really statements, it's just questions. And the first question that Ian e. Bounds is going to uh, pose is this question. Is faith growing or declining as years go by? Is faith growing or declining as years go by? Here's the second question. Does faith maintain its hold as religion tends to become a mere formality and worldliness increasingly prevails? So really the two questions that he poses that we're going to look at today is, is your faith growing or declining as the years go by? Can you say that as a follower of Christ that your faith is growing or your faith is kind of plateaued out, um, just seems kind of stale? Um, and is your faith maintaining its hold despite the fact that culture and society are rapidly changing so much. And you can even add to this that the church culture is changing so much. Um, I believe that these are really some good questions with some very unfortunate answers. Um, I believe that looking at our culture today, and the church specifically, that looking at it from the broad picture, not necessarily individually, but from the broad picture of the church overall, I believe it's declining and it's losing its hold. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that there's a few aspects that we are... Um, I think we're, we're allowing ourselves to miss the mark of what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit more. What, what I think is we're spending so much time on many of the wrong things. All right? I'll give you an example. I think that in the church, we are so swayed by numbers that it causes us to view things maybe in a wrong way. I'll give you an example. And, and I say this uh, from experience. Uh, I have actually uh, planted the church, and uh, the church, uh, God blessed it mightily, and uh, the church is still going strong today. Uh, I just, God happened to move me. Um, but I say that for this reason. I think one of the areas where maybe it's causing faith to decline is this. Instead of a both and kind of mentality, we've really allowed ourselves to get into an either or when it comes to church planning and revitalization. And what I mean by that is, if, if we see, and when I say we, I'm talking about leadership, when we see that a church is declining or a church is maybe in a state of we would deem dying. Rather than being able to look at the situation and say, okay, what can we do 
to be able to come alongside and undergird something that's already there and be able to help it to get life brought back into it. It seems what we do is, okay, that church is dead. Let's just go ahead and plan its funeral and let's plant a church right beside it. Well, what that does, I think, is it causes a lot of people's faith to decline because they look at it and it's almost as if instead of being able to say that we have faith that God can do, we just kind of look at it and say, okay, if you if we feel like your service to the Lord is coming to an end, we're just going to discard you and move on to the next thing. And I think that what happens with that is we look at numbers and we think that only the churches that have big numbers are the ones that's successful. I would dare say that I would rather have a church of 50 people that are deepening in their spiritual walk than a church of 500 that just show up on Sunday mornings and we really wonder if there's a difference between goats and sheeps in the congregation. And I'll tell you why. Because if I have those 50 that are truly deepening in their walk with the Lord, they are not only going to grow themselves spiritually, but they are going to then begin to obediently live out the Word, which means fulfilling the Great Commission. However, if you just have that 500, it's looking for you to be able to take care of them on Sunday morning, and they're not really growing or deepening in their spiritual walk. You're just going to have this baby or, you know, a baby lamb or a goat, either one, that is just going to be selfish, that wants you to feed them, and they're not going to interact. They're not going to be Great Commission-minded. They're not going to be growing. And so what happens is, is we look at these numbers and say, oh man, so-and-so's got 500 at their church. They must be doing some amazing things. Pump the brakes on that. That's not necessarily true. What we've got to do is we've got to look at the depth rather than the width. Depth means more than anything. Because again, if we're going to be looking at this, we would have to say that Jesus was an utter failure. Because he only had 12 guys that he really poured into. One of them betrayed him. Jesus didn't have a mega church. And I'm not knocking mega churches. I'm not at all. But when we put all of our stock into that, it actually, I think, helps to decline the faith of the average church member, uh, of the average pastor, who doesn't seem or feel like they're doing right or doing good. Because they don't have the numbers. And so I think what happens then is because there's so much fluidity in what is successful, what is not. I think what that does is that causes people's faith to just kind of be fluid as well. And that prevents it from really maintaining a hold, as as Ian Bounds said. Because what's happening is... is with things being fluid, it's constantly changing. And I think what happens is whenever you're sitting and you're looking at the landscape of things and everything seems to be changing around you all the time, it makes it very hard to just settle back in and be able to say, okay, I want to have faith in this. And now you, you kind of supplement that with so many different, and I want you to hear what I'm saying because I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just saying when you look at the context of what we call preaching today, we have so many different variations of God. And that is even within the Southern Baptist denomination. 
and in American Christianity. I mean, it, it, there's just so much of a difference that's going on that makes it very hard. I mean, you've got this group over here that they're going to make disparaging remarks to someone if you don't believe in uh, this health and wealth gospel or if you don't believe in some of the nonsense that these glorified psychologists like Stephen Furtick and Joel Olstein, uh, you know, they just make you feel good. And so you can't make disparaging remarks about them, but their God is different than, than your God. And, and so now what we've got is we've got so many people that their mindset of uh, who their faith is in, their mindset of what's really going on when it comes to God, they're confused. Because we have so many pastors, and this is why I made the comment. You may say, well, why did you make the comment about dying churches and church plants? It's for this reason. There's so many pastors that are terrified of being fired or terrified of losing their job or their paycheck that they're willing to sacrifice true biblical preaching in order to keep their position. And so with that, what's happening is they are not properly feeding the sheep. And so now the sheep are declining in their faith. They're not able to maintain a hold on who their faith is in because they're not getting good, solid biblical preaching. And so what's happening now is church members and people that call themselves Christians are just kind of flailing, not knowing who or what to believe in or allowing them to be able to deepen their faith because we don't want to preach on sin anymore because sin causes people not to want to come to church. We would rather go hear the, the good stuff that comes from these glorified psychologists that make me feel better about myself rather than hearing what sin is, hearing what conviction is, hearing what repentance is. We don't like to preach those things from the pulpit. We don't want to talk about hell from the pulpit. We don't want to talk about those things. We want to talk about how loving God is. And yes, we should. But you cannot separate the love of God from the holiness of God, from the righteousness of God, from the wrath of God, from the justice of God. You can't separate those things. And so what's happening is, is whenever you're only getting the bare minimum, you know, kind of scraping the barrel, uh, what you're doing is you're causing the people that are sitting in the pews to just get the, the bare necessities. And, and we're doing that because we want to make sure that we keep our attendance more than we make sure people are growing in their faith. Now, again... Just because you have numbers does not equate success or spiritual growth. You can sit down and, and laud all your numbers that you want to. Numbers do not equate success. What we have to do is we have to start looking at it and asking the question, how many of our church members are fully equipped to be disciple-making disciples? Because the whole purpose of what we're, what we're to do and what we're looking at, and again, if you go and you look at Jesus' words, Jesus regularly, more oftentimes than not, would call his followers disciples. We are to be making disciples. That's the Great Commission. It doesn't say make converts. It says go and make disciples. Well, a disciple is someone who not only is able to learn, but then be, is able to self-feed and then is able to go out and teach others. 
Well, if, if, if I'm just being honest, and, I, and I'm, I mean, I'm just being at the church that I'm at right now for around six months, but I would say that a majority of people are, number one, not self-feeders. They rely on the pastor to make sure uh, that they get fed, and that's here at the church I serve at, and, and I'd say a lot of pastors, if they're honest, would say the same exact thing. Most people who show up to worship services are not self-feeders. And if you're not a self-feeder, then you can't teach someone else. So in essence, what I'm saying is this. Most churches do not have disciples in the pews. And so with that, if you are not a disciple, you are not deepening in your walk with the Lord. Which if you're not deepening in your walk with the Lord, that means your faith is more likely declining. See, the church whether it's the local church or whether it's the the global church, is a result of its contents. Now, let's just ask ourselves the question. What are the contents right now? Uh, and, and let's just use our denomination. What are the contents of the Southern Baptist Convention right now? I think the best way you could say it is dissension, deception, a lot of uh, unanswered questions, a lot of people that are having a problem with trust. Look at our pastors right now. A lot of our pastors have um, used churches as stepping stones because they love the idea of success. So they're going to churches. They stay there for 18 months and then they jump to the next church and they keep the resume out there constantly in order to go to the next church and the bigger church and the better church and the one with more money and the one with more numbers and the one with more status. And what you're doing is you're just leaving the church that you just left in difficult um, situations. Uh, what we're finding is a lot of pastors um, are, again, as I said just a little bit ago, they're terrified of being fired. They're terrified of losing their position and losing their paycheck. Uh, so what they want to do is they want to just preach in order to keep their position rather than to preach in order to cause people to grow. And so with that... Whatever the pastor is leading out from the pulpit is usually what the church members are going to become themselves. So if a pastor isn't trying to deepen himself, he's definitely not going to be deepening the congregation. And so what you find then is you find a congregation that is full of people who just show up in order to be able to get things for themselves rather than someone who is actually coming hungry. That's one of the things that I tell our church constantly. Uh, is I want you to come hungry to every service because I want to make sure that if you entrust me to be your pastor and to preach the word, I want you to know that I'm going to give you the absolute best steak dinner that I can give you every single time. I am going to put the effort into studying God's Word. I am going to ask God to challenge my heart. I'm going to ask God to move in my life. And all of those things... And I want God to deepen me before I ever even go and deliver the sermon. And I want them to know they're getting the very best of what I've been able to do in spending time with the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit uh, move through my heart in putting a sermon together. And I hope that it's going to, you know, um, work into the hearts of the people. But what we've got to do is we've got to start looking at our pastors and we've got to start saying, okay, what are we really doing? How are we really ministering to our people? 
See, the church will be dead or dying if the people inside the church are the same. There's got to be something that fires up the soul of people. And His name is Jesus. And what we're doing is we're saying, well, Jesus really isn't enough, so we've got to make sure that we have you know, this style of music and we've got to make sure that we really tug on the emotional strings of people and you know we got to make sure that we preach encouraging loving sermons all the time and you know we've got to make sure that we stay focused on these things that cause people to no what we got to do is we got to preach Jesus Jesus is the only being the only person the only entity that can make dead people alive he's the only one And we've got to make sure that we're preaching Jesus. It's not about preaching anything else. You know, if we're preaching anything else other than Jesus, you need to get out of the pulpit. Because that's not what it is. You don't need to be preaching politics. Politics never saved anybody. And if you're spending more time trying to tell people about our government right now than you are Jesus, you're wrong. And you need to make sure that you start focusing on Jesus. And that might be part of the reason why the church is dead right now and dying is because we're spending more time focusing on social matters than we are about spiritual matters. And yes, certain social matters are very important. But what we got to do is start understanding Jesus is the most important. See, Christians have allowed their faith to be tainted by anything and everything, but most of all, I believe, by non-quick answers and having to be prayerfully patient. This, this is where I'm going. One of the things that... I'll give you an example. I remember that I had somebody... When we planted the church that I planted, we planted in an area, and I had a lot of people that said, you know what, you are ignorant for planting where you're planting. Um, this is an economically dead area. This church will never succeed. Um, you will never be able to create something huge here. Well, here's the thing. Was my purpose in planting the church that I planted to create something huge? Was my number one goal to make sure that I made a big ministry and a great name for myself? Or was my purpose to be able to make the gospel known to unsaved people? Now, the reason why I say that is this. I believe that the reason why the church, the big global church today, is struggling with our faith and it's declining is because... Our pastors and our leaders right now are impatient. What we're doing is we want everything quick, fast, and in a hurry, and we're not willing to build. And I use that example of the church plant for this reason. I had somebody that come and made the comment to me. They said, you know what, Jeremiah? We really feel like God could use you in a mighty way, and we feel like you're wasting your time here at this church plant. Why don't you put your resume out there and see if God could take you somewhere bigger. Now, the reason why I bring that up is not in any way, shape, form, or fashion to say anything, because I don't. I don't believe that I was wasting my time at all, and I'll tell you why. Go talk to anyone from that church plant that heard the gospel and got saved and asked them if they believed that I was wasting my time. They heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Did I make a big name for myself? Absolutely not. Did this church become this monster mega church that... No, it didn't. Is that church still serving God and and faithfully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Does that mean it's a successful church? Absolutely. 
See, what we've got to do is we've got to quit looking at things as being impatient. We've got to be able to be willing to let God use us to build what He wants in the local church. We've got to quit, and when I say we, I'm talking pastors. We've got to quit looking at churches as stepping stones and saying, okay, I'm going to come here, and, well, things just aren't the way I want it. You know, I don't like the way this is run. I don't like the way this is run. I don't think that I can make a big name for myself here. I don't think that I can do this or do this. How about you quit worrying about what you think you can do and just be obedient to what God wants you to do? Rather than jumping ship after 17, 18 months because things aren't going your way to go find a new church that you think is going to answer all of your problems, listen, every church you go to has got problems. Every church has problems. Every church has people that are uh, the people that cause problems. Every single church. Now, the question is, is are you willing to jump ship every time that you face adversity and you don't get what you want because it's not going to make your name big and successful? Or are you going to lead properly? Because here's the thing. We can't expect the people in the church pews to deepen in their walk with their uh, with faith in God if we as pastors are constantly looking for greener grass and we're not willing to feed our people properly and we're not willing to deepen with them and we're not willing to shepherd them and we're not willing to walk with them. The reason why faith is declining in America today is because of the pastors that are serving the local churches. That's really the biggest problem we got. What we're doing is we're just trying to make sure that we create great social clubs rather than disciple-making churches. And so what happens is is we become very impatient and we want to see things happen quick. And so guess what? Now, because we want to see things happen quick, our church members become impatient. They want to see things happen quick. They get frustrated. They get discouraged. When, and, and their faith begins to decline when they don't see prayers answered quickly. When they, uh, don't, well, they, they leave the church whenever things don't go their way. They start causing fights when things don't... You know, and that's the problem. It's a snowball effect. And it starts from the pulpit. And the reason why our churches aren't maintaining their hold on faith and maintaining their hold on on filling the blank is because we as pastors have dropped the ball. See, we are too busy for the patient faithfulness of prayer. And we have forgotten this. And when I say we again, I'm talking about pastors. We have forgotten that Jesus looked at Peter and said, I will build my church. Jesus doesn't need you to do anything to build the church, Pastor. Jesus needs you to faithfully preach the Word and not be building anything. Let Jesus do the building. But what we do is because we want to institute our philosophy of ministry and our mentality and our fill-in-the-blank. When it doesn't go the way we want it to, We pick up our ball and we go to another court. And what we're doing is we're just teaching our people that if I don't get what I want, if God don't give me what I want, then I just make my own destiny. I just make my own path. And and I don't need God to uh, pave the way for me. I don't need God to do this. And what you're doing is you're doing things in your own way, in your own strength. And then you wonder, why does it seem like every time I turn around, nothing's succeeding? 
Maybe it's because you're doing it in your own strength. And you're not resting in the Lord. You're not praying faithfully. You're not walking through adversity. You're not deepening with your people at your church. And so all we're teaching, the people who sit in the pews on on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and whenever, is that faith is just something that's more of a word than it is something we live by. Being patient in our prayer time and letting God guide us. Yeah, that, that's all well and good, but God wants me to be the best me. God wants me to be able to make decisions. God wants me to be able to, you know, do... No, what God wants you to do is be completely reliant upon Him. What God wants you to do is He wants you to start realizing that it's not about you. It's about the kingdom, and it's about you being obedient and letting God use you for His glory, not yours. It's about making much of the name of Jesus, not making much of your name. It's about making sure that God is glorified in all that He does and not you. In essence, it goes back to this. We need to get on our knees and get a towel and a basin of water and get back to being a foot-washing servant. That's it. That's where your faith grows. Your faith grows by being a servant. Not somebody who expects this and expects that. Not somebody who thinks that you've got to make sure that, you know, you you show me the proper respect and adoration. There's a couple of pastors, and, and, I, and I'm not going to name them, but there's a couple of pastors that are very, I, I guess, again, using this terminology, they're very significant. They are very high status. But you want me to tell you what's amazing about both of them? I have gone to conferences with both of them. And they have both shook my hand. They've both asked me what my name was, talked to me by name. They both gave me their undivided attention and never looked over my shoulder to see who was behind me. And I'm of no significance. I'm not. I have no status. But yet, these two pastors, one of a megachurch, treated me as if I was their equal. And that made a significant difference in me because there's been other pastors who were not of their status whatsoever, but you could tell that they were trying to reach some status that you would go up and you would shake their hand and you would greet them and they would never even make eye contact with you because they were looking around you to see who was around. And if there was somebody that was more important than you, they would end the conversation quickly and go off and talk to them. But I'll also even tell you that one of these other pastors, I just happened to ask them, I said, hey, would you be willing to go out and and, and let me take you out to dinner and, and be able to ask you some questions? Not only that was... I able to go out and did he and I eat dinner together, but he gave me a cell phone number and allows me to text him regularly and just talk to him and ask questions. And the reason why I bring that up is this. When we start getting, as, as the old saying I had growing up, when we start getting too big for our britches, there's a problem. 
When we start thinking that, oh, I pastor this church of this size and, you know, I don't no longer have to associate with pastors that don't pastor large churches or, you know, pastors that only have about 50 in their congregation, you know, they're kind of insignificant. When we start getting to that kind of point, when we start realizing that, you know, I think I'm a little bit better than somebody else, I think that's when the, the idea of repentance needs to really hit our hearts. Because that's when we're no longer reliant upon faith, we're reliant upon ourselves. When we get to the point to where we think that I can put a sermon together and I don't need Jesus, I can just study and rely on my own knowledge. When we don't think we really need to to spend a lot of time in prayer, when we don't think that we need to spend time in the Word, when we think we can just kind of get by through the week with what we heard on Sunday morning, we're missing the whole point of prayer and faith. And that's why our faith is declining. That's why I've already used this verse on this podcast before, but Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you think that you are being obedient and pleasing God and you're not growing in your faith deeply, you are not being obedient and you're not pleasing God. It's very simple. And so what I want to encourage you with is this. I pray that if you're just kind of doing your own thing, I pray that that you pump the brakes a little bit. And you start saying, hey, you know what, I think I need, to, I need to get back to the basics. I need to be able to get back to what it means to just grow and deepen in my faith. You need somebody to be able to help you with that? Find somebody that you know is a good prayer warrior, somebody who reads the Scripture regularly, and ask them, hey, would you disciple me? Or, hey, can I meet with you once a, a week or even once a month? And can we get together and can we just be able to, uh, you know, do something to where we can grow? I think those are some things that can really happen. And pastor, I want to encourage you with this. Never get over the day you got saved and never get over the call that God gave you to preach the gospel. Don't think you're anything bigger than what you are. And never look at someone else's beneath you. Understand that you need the Holy Spirit to preach just like the person who's preaching their first sermon. Never get over the fact that you're relying upon God. And make sure that you live and lead in such a way that the people in your congregation can see your faith and follow and be obedient to that. I pray this has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. I pray most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that you would understand Jesus while you were still a sinner. He died on a cross for your sins because He loved you that much. I encourage you to find a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church and go ask them, hey, what, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to repent? And I pray that if you are a follower of Christ, that you go out and you share the good news with somebody today. Share your testimony. Share what God's doing in your life. The more you share about what God's doing in your life, the more your faith will deepen. I look forward to our time next week as we continue in our study of prayer and faith.